Welcome to The Daily Bite with your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Today's text is Ezekiel chapter 28. The word of Yahweh came to me, son of man, say to the prince of Tyre, thus says the Lord Yahweh, because your heart is proud and you have said, I am a god. I sit in the seat of the gods in the heart of the seas. Yet you are but a man and no god. Though you make your heart like the heart of a god, you are indeed wiser than Daniel. No secret is hidden from you. By your wisdom and your understanding you have made wealth for yourself and have gathered gold and silver into your treasuries. By your great wisdom and your trade you have increased your wealth and your heart has become proud in your wealth. Therefore thus says the Lord Yahweh, Because you make your heart like the heart of a god, therefore, behold, I will bring foreigners upon you, the most ruthless of the nations, and they shall draw their swords against the beauty of your wisdom and defile your splendor. They shall thrust you down into the pit, and you shall die the death of the slain in the heart of the seas. Will you still say I am a god in the presence of those who kill you, though you are but a man and no god, in the hands of those who slay you? You shall die the death of the uncircumcised by the hand of foreigners. For I have spoken, declares the Lord Yahweh. Moreover, the word of Yahweh came to me, Son of man, raise a lamentation over the king of Tyre and say, if, say to him, Thus says the Lord Yahweh, You were the signet of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, sardis, topaz, and diamond, beryl, onyx, and jasper, sapphire, emerald, and carbuncle, and crafted in gold were your settings and your engravings. On the day that you were created, they were prepared. You were an anointed guardian cherub. I placed you. You were on the holy mountain of God. In the midst of the stones of fire you walked. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till unrighteousness was found in you. In the abundance of your trade, you were filled with violence in your midst, and you sinned. So I cast you as a profane thing from the mountain of God, and I destroyed you, O guardian cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Your heart was proud because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I exposed you before kings to feast their eyes on you by the multitude of your iniquities and the unrighteousness of your trade. You profaned your sanctuaries. So I brought fire out from your midst, it consumed you, and I turned you to ashes on the earth in the sight of all who saw you. All who know you among the peoples are appalled at you, you who have come to a dreadful end and shall be no more forever. The word of Yahweh came to me, Son of man, set your face toward Sidon, and prophesy against her, and say, Thus says the Lord Yahweh, Behold, I am against you, O Sidon, I will manifest my glory in your midst, and they shall know that I am Yahweh, when I execute judgments in her and manifest my holiness in her. For I will send pestilence into her and blood into her streets, and the slain shall fall in her midst by the sword that is against her on every side. Then they will know that I am Yahweh. And for the house of Israel, there shall be no more a briar to prick or a thorn to hurt them among all their neighbors, who have treated them with contempt, then they will know that I am the Lord Yahweh. Thus says the Lord Yahweh, when I gather the house of Israel from the peoples among whom they are scattered, and manifest my holiness in them in the sight of the nations, 
Then they shall dwell in their own land that I gave to my servant Jacob, and they shall dwell securely in it, and they shall build houses and plant vineyards. They shall dwell securely when I execute judgments upon all their neighbors who have treated them with contempt. Then they will know that I am Yahweh their God. This is the word of the Lord. So today's text is going to continue the prophecy against Tyre. Uh, We started that in chapter 26, continued it in 27, and now we keep going here into 28 as well. 29 will carry us forward into Egypt finally. Uh, So Tyre's, oh, the destruction of Tyre, told to us over three chapters. And really the the primary thrust of this chapter is you read through it, and you heard it several times, is pride. The reason Tyre is being destroyed is because of their pride. It is probably well said in the history of church tradition that pride is the chief sin of man. As you think of the devil, the devil himself rebelling against God and how that may have played out. Imagining God creating Satan and Satan turning around and saying, I don't need you. I can be my own God. I can do this myself. That, that, that's pride. But as you look to men and you look to our sin, pride lies at the center of a lot of it that we are somehow our own gods, that we can do this ourselves, that we can care for us. We don't need God to do it. We can save ourselves. We can feed ourselves. All of those things are pride. So the eras of the church that have gone before us, they there was a season in history where they had the seven deadly sins. You're probably familiar with that phrase. Pride was one of the seven, but it was actually viewed as the chief of the seven deadly sins. Whatever your position is on the seven deadly sins, it's at least worth noting that there is some validity to the idea of the danger of pride. And they saw that, whereas today we don't, right? American culture views pride as a virtue. And it's not. It's the opposite. It leads to our destruction. So that's going to be a talking point with your children as you go through this passage. What are the sources of our pride today? And when you hear them, if any of them are actually true of your own family, repent. So how smart I am, how well I do at this job, how good I am at this sport that I play, those are are ones that might be directly impactful upon your family. Repent of those prideful thoughts. Whereas the, the culture around us has been celebrating very vocally the idea of pride for, for years, um, and that needs to be repented of by the culture, doesn't seem likely that they will, which is why... As we see in verse 6, because you make your heart like the heart of a god, therefore, behold, I will bring foreigners upon you. In other words, Tyre destroyed because of their pride. It's quite possible that we have begun to see that very thing unfolding before our own eyes. Right? That's 
one of the verses. Verse 18. I brought fire out from your midst and it consumed you. We saw the same thing spoken of about Israel. Well, Judah. That they were consumed from within by their wickedness. Now Tyre is going to be consumed from within. Even though the Babylonians are going to come from without, fire comes from within. It's their own sin that destroys them. And we are, I would be surprised if it's not true, we are watching that occurring in the places where we live too today. It's not just an old thing. God's judgment still stands. God is still active in creation. So they claim to be God when they are but man. It's interesting in verse 3 that he indicates that they are wiser than Daniel, that no secret is hidden from them, from you, the, the king, the leader of Tyre. Maybe it's because he can buy it. You know, so much wealth that he can he can hire any of the intelligent people in the world that he wants so that they can teach him and give him information. He can hire the the greatest minds of his age that are, you know, wise beyond years. He can do all of that. So nothing is hidden from him because of this. Although we could have the Job like conversation and that there is much that he still cannot understand because it is simply beyond the grasp of men. But what does he do with it all? He he turns that wisdom, he turns that understanding into profit. He uses it to make money for himself, to fill his treasuries, to grow his trade, and indeed he does that quite well, and that becomes his pride. And the Lord is going to smite him for it. He's going to strike him down for it. Verse 7 gives quite a distinction to Babylon. Babylon is described as the most ruthless of the nations. That's probably not a descriptor that you want to hear God say about you. Because what does it actually say about you? Not only does it talk about how you're going to be the victor over Tyre, O Babylon, but it also means that you have committed such atrocious sins in your midst that God's judgment is going to come upon you as well, right? This is not a repentant nation that the Lord is going to work through a good and righteous government. No, the Lord is going to work through an evil government to punish another evil government, and then later on he's going to use a different evil government to punish the first evil government that he used to punish the other evil government. Did you follow that? God uses one wicked government to topple another in this creation. And he continues to do so. He has continued to do so. So the Lord is at work. We cannot miss that. Verse 10, they're going to die the death of the uncircumcised. In other words, they are not God's people, right? The circumcised are Israel. These are not God's people, so they are lost forever. We get that same idea in verse 19. You've come to a dreadful end. You shall be no more forever. So that... That's not just the physical death, right? That is the full and total death. We look forward as Christians to a blessed end, whereas they reach a dreadful end. After that first section, you then get a lament over Tyre uh, from Ezekiel. And the lament is difficult, almost um, 
metaphorical in the way Ezekiel speaks. Because you've got the part of it, uh, verses 12 and 13, well, actually even larger than that. The larger context here sounds very much like he's painting a picture of, of Adam back in the Garden of Eden. I mean, he even says it, right? You were in Eden. The king of Tyre was not in Eden. Adam and Eve were in Eden. They were kicked out because they sinned against God. They rebelled against him. But that's the picture that we get here. And so he is blameless from his creation until righteousness is found in him. Again, just like Adam, that's the picture we're being given. Full of wisdom, perfect in beauty, a signet of perfection. Uh, a signet is a, a ring that kings would use to seal things, to put their mark on something. So God's, God's signal of perfection, again, the picture of Eden and paradise and Adam here is being brought into play. The first Adam, the first man that brings only death. That is what we're seeing here. There's another picture that's in play too, though. You've got a guardian cherub. So God is picturing not only a, the king of Tyre as a, a man like Adam in Eden, but also he's picturing the king of Tyre like an angel in, in the heavens. Right? He, he is an angel, he's a cherub placed upon the holy mountain of God, which we'd normally consider to be Jerusalem. The study Bible, though, suggests that these stones of fire might be a reference to the stars of the heavens. So here you have this, this king being like an angel in God's court. And he's going to be cast out because he sinned. So you get that verse 16 is an important one. We've talked about pride with your children already in this text. Now talk about abundance with your children. Is abundance a problem? What temptations does abundance bring? So it, truthfully, abundance in and of itself is not a problem. But it brings all sorts of temptations. Temptations to think, again, pridefully, that we have done this for ourselves, that we don't need God to care for us. Temptations to other things, too, though, like the desire for more. Or to treat people as objects, or just all sorts of things. And this abundance led Tyre, the king of Tyre, to be filled with violence. And so he has sinned against God. And so God has cast him from the mountain of God, destroyed him, O guardian cherub. So here that picture again of him being an angel cast out. Two different metaphors. That he was in paradise, that he was possibly even in the heavenly courts, and he met his demise. Just as Adam met his demise because he sinned and took from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil he was not supposed to, just as the devil and his demons, originally angels, but pridefully rebelled against the Creator and were cast from paradise. And really, those are both paradisical pictures, too. So he had everything, this king. But that made him proud. 
and he took his wisdom that he could have used for much good and to serve his neighbor and to love the world, and he corrupted it for his own self, for his own good. That is not the use of any resource that the Lord gives us, whether it's wisdom or abundance. We are given resources to care for creation, to care for one another, not to care for me, 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 me. That's the sinful nature that wants to do that. So God is going to expose him before kings to feast their eyes upon him. In other words, his riches will be laid open and the other kings of the world will come for the spoil. They'll come to plunder. We already talked about the fire from the midst of them, self-consuming, and they're going to be turned to ash. So God's judgment destroys in the sight of all who saw you, a reminder that God's judgment, as we've talked about in this book before, God's judgment on one people, while rightly done, is also at the same time a call to repentance for others. It is a warning of what happens if you don't turn from your pride, if you don't turn away from your sin, and that destruction will come. So we see that very specifically down in the next section as the next chunk from verse 20 through 23 is a prophecy against Sidon. Sidon is 25 miles to the north of Tyre, also a port city on the Mediterranean Sea. Ezekiel prophesies against her very similarly, but very briefly. Um, So manifesting my glory in your midst, manifest to make known. God is going to make known that he is truly the, the one to be seen, not not the sinfulness of Sidon and their king. And so his judgments are going to come that they shall know that I am Yahweh, right? We continue to see that phrase over and over again. The judgment hits Sidon so others will see it and rebuke and repent of their sins. So pestilence and blood are going to be part of that. So the the sword brought against her too. Um, Also though, manifest, I will manifest my glory in your midst. That can be heard evilly, like judgment, or it can be heard wondrously, like gospel. That God makes himself known. When you are a sinner, a prideful sinner, who rejects and rebels against God, that manifestation of God is judgment. But when you are humble before the Lord, when you are repentant of your sins, the manifestation of God is a beautiful thing, Because when did God make himself known to us? When he took on flesh and became a man willing to die on the cross to forgive us and take away all of our sins. Praise be to God for his son Jesus. So that's not the point of that passage, but we can see that possible second meaning of the the phrase itself. And then the rest of the text is talking about restoration. So verse 24, God is going to take a remnant And their enemies are no longer going to be a thorn to hurt them because God will have judged them. He will have removed them. So this is chapters 25 and and onward here. I think through 32 in the text. God has destroyed them. He's judged them. So when he brings Israel out of exile, they will be free from those enemy neighbors that they had known before. And that is also for the purpose of Israel knowing that Yahweh is God and God alone. The last paragraph 
a lot of repetition of what we were just talking about for Israel, that God is going to gather them from having scattered them. This is a, a foretasting of the, the end of the book of Ezekiel. The last several chapters are going to deal with this restoration, but this is just a glimpse of that now. God is going to manifest his holiness to them in the sight of all the nations. They're going to dwell in their own place. They'll build houses. They'll be secure, so safe. When he executes judgments upon their neighbors, there's a twofold fulfillment to this prophecy. The more immediate context, 537 BC and afterwards, when they come out of exile because Cyrus, king of Persia, will have set them free to return to their land and rebuild. And again, all these enemies are gone and not, not going to harm them. But there's also a hinting of this at the last day, that Christ gathers us as his sheep from throughout this world filled with enemies, those who would seek to harm us. He will gather us to himself, and as he does, those who have rejected him will be brought unto judgment, and we will dwell securely in the paradise that he himself has prepared for us.